So welcome to our latest episode, 15 Minutes on Health Inequalities. We're going to be talking about young people's insights into health inequalities. I'm Anna Pierce with the Social and Public Health Sciences Unit, and today I have with me... Uh, Mike Green. Um, I work with Anna in the Inequalities Programme, and we've got two of our other colleagues from the Social and Public Health Sciences Unit here, and I'll let them both introduce themselves. Hi there, I'm Gillian Fergie. I'm a research associate in the same unit as Mike and Anna. And I'm really pleased to be here to talk about young people's perspectives on health inequalities. Hi, my name is Caroline Vaxi. I'm a research assistant on the Creative Insights Project at the University of Glasgow. Really happy to be here. So can I start by asking why you think it's important to get young people's insights on health inequalities? Yeah, thanks, Mike. So yeah, we do think it's really important because despite there being decades of research and policy attention on the link between social position and health in the UK, unfair and avoidable differences in health across the population persist. Um, and some people suggest that policies to address the social determinants of health and those macro level influences on people's health and well-being are less well supported by the public. Michael Marmot's recent report from 2020 um, has a call for action to address the lack of public conversation around what determines people's health, sort of build support for policy action in this area. And there's been a small body of sociological research which gives us a bit of an insight into the complexities of how the public understand and discuss the determinants of health. And it tells us a bit about UK publics and particularly people living in areas of deprivation or experiencing inequality, but they are really aware and articulate well the structural drivers of health inequalities, but also that their accounts may be sometimes constrained because of the stigma associated by with poverty and ill health. But we know much less about what young people think about this. Um, their perspectives are missing from the literature largely, and the little bit of research that does exist suggests there might be slight differences in how they think about these issues um, and more concern for those issues most tangible to their life stage. And even less research goes on to explore young people's perspectives on addressing health inequalities, which also seems to us like an important gap to address. So can you tell us a bit more about the research approach and how you designed the project? Yeah, absolutely. So our, our project was developed um, with the aim of exploring young people's perspectives on drivers of health inequalities, but as I mentioned, importantly, to fill this gap around their perceptions of opportunities for effecting change in this area. Um, and we were particularly interested in working across the UK context, so in Scotland and England, and to engage with groups of young people in cities where reducing health inequalities is a priority. So we developed partnerships with organisations working with young people in both Glasgow and Leeds. And we were also keen to engage with them in a way that offered opportunities for them to direct the project towards those issues which mattered most to them. So rather than use a traditional uh, qualitative research method, we aim to use an arts-based approach to co-producing the research process and the outputs with artist facilitators and with the young people themselves. And at this point, I should mention that the project was conceived pre-pandemic in a face-to-face -face setting. So um, as we developed it, we were met with an additional challenge of trying to facilitate a sort of arts-based approach to exploring health inequalities online. And the pandemic also changed the context in terms of young people's situations with the disproportionate impact of the pandemic on young people, given the sort of widespread educational disruption, increased levels of unemployment amongst young people and a surge in mental well health. Um, so in order to make this work, and especially considering this shifting context, we had to work really closely with our key project partners. And in Glasgow, that was Impact Arts, a Scottish charity that works to support communities through art and creativity. And in Leeds, we developed a partnership with Opera North and also Leeds Playhouse as our key delivery partner 
and, and they have lots of experience in, in community engagement. Thanks, Gillian. It's all sounding really fascinating so far. Um, can you tell us how you managed to set up those collaborations um, in Leeds and, and Glasgow? Yeah, so, so that was a fairly lengthy process, um, as many of these things are, especially applying for funding toward then delivering the research and creating outputs. Um, but we wanted to engage with them as early as possible, so they were involved in the funding application and developing a broad plan for the project from inception. Um, and that meant that we were able to build a shared understanding of our remits and how best to engage with young people. And we also, through the process, had to be really respectful of the different ways that research institutions and arts organisations operate, the timescales they work to um, and their capacity for project development. And also we had to be sensitive to the um, context of the pandemic, because at the time, arts organisations were in a particularly precarious position and they were unclear about funding and um, employees were furloughed. But we managed to play through that to develop uh, the project together. And this meant that we were able to develop a project where young people were really at the forefront and we wanted to engage a broad range of young people and give them opportunities for creative capacity building. So these relationships were really important to us. So, and we were able to work alongside the artists to explore how the creative processes could be aligned with our research processes and also with the sharing of evidence and the building of ideas around health inequalities. So key to this process was really mutual benefit that the organization was adequately resourced and their expertise were recognized and their contribution was well-defined. That while we were delivering on research aims, we were also contributing to their goals for community engagement and creative outputs. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you did um, in terms of the engagement and exploring the issues with young people? Yeah, so we had um, a really hectic project delivery, um, really full and jam-packed, and it was actually a really wonderful experience for all the researchers involved. We engaged with six groups of young people and each spent around four days with us, um, I suppose two researchers and two creative facilitators and sometimes some other youth workers too. Each of the groups of young people were drawn together um, by a common interest or a shared experience. So they might have been a group of young people who had taken part in an employability programme together or a group of young people who were part of a particular youth group in an, in an area where they lived. In total, we engaged with um, 39 young people aged between 14 and 18 with a couple slightly older. And in advance of the week when we were engaging with them, we sent out lots of project information, schedule, various sources of public health evidence, but importantly, lots of nice art materials, things to help support them in their creative endeavours. And then the workshops themselves were fully online. The facilitation was led primarily by the creative practitioners with resources and provocations developed with us in advance. We did loads of online quizzes and whiteboard tasks. We also spoke a lot in large and small discussion groups. We did lots of breaks. Uh, we also took photos, played games, engaged with the evidence, and also made lots of art. And each week culminated in a showcase event where we invited academics and arts practitioners, lots of people involved in the project to come and hear from the young people and see what they produced. Uh, in the Glasgow groups, this was mainly with a focus on visual arts and printmaking, and in Leeds, the focus was more on creative writing and performance. That was really great, really fascinating and interesting. Um, I'd love to hear kind of more about what you learned about how the young people understand health inequalities. Sure. So I should say that we're still in the process of analyzing the data and writing it up, but I can give a general overview and some examples of the young people's ideas. 
So across all the groups, young people suggested a wide range of factors that determine people's health, and they showed really nuanced and intuitive understandings of the fundamental causes of inequalities in health. Discussion often begin with factors rooted in individual lifestyle choices or health behaviors, but then it often broadened out into animated conversations around social, economic, and environmental factors that might influence or constrain these choices. In one workshop in Leeds, for example, two participants discussed this in relation to diet. One participant mentioned the importance of, quote, a healthy, balanced diet, and another responded with comments around people's access to food and inability to afford to make healthy lifestyle choices, and they ended up concluding that, quote, it just depends on the circumstances that we're in. Another common theme in the data was the importance of young people's tangible lived experiences in their perceptions of inequalities. There was a strong sense that young people's concerns are based on current and near future circumstances. Relationships, support networks, and advocates are all really key, as well as the crucial environments of home, school, and social media. And I wonder how had the pandemic impacted on their understandings and experiences of inequalities? Yes, so of course the pandemic had an impact on, on their experiences and their perspectives did seem really specific to their life stage. They showed less a fear of the disease itself and the consequences of contracting the virus and much more concern with the measures to curb spread and the impact that those had on their lives, both during the pandemic and looking ahead to implications for their future opportunities. They showed particular concern with the mental health impacts of staying home and limiting their social contact. One participant wrote a speech about what she saw as, quote, the real pandemic based on her experience. And we can listen to a little clip of that now. COVID brought death, mass isolation, and along with it, economic downfall. Millions put on furlough, businesses going bankrupt, and chaos followed. Lockdown after lockdown after lockdown caused power mental health and suicide to become the real pandemic. To be restricted and restrained from normal routine, not in control of your own life, it threw the usual balance off. The inequality and injustice, which was once unnoticed, became more prevalent. Global hysteria helped to uncover the real problems. It wasn't the coronavirus, it was the human race. Thanks, Caroline. Um, That's really powerful stuff, hearing about those experiences. Um, had the young people also sort of given any suggestions for what could be done to help? Yes, they did. We heard lots of ideas for policy solutions to address health inequalities from the young people. For some specific suggestions, we can hear again from the young people in their own words. There needs to be a change. Here are our demands. We need to create a system that enables direct democracy and for communities to have more say and listen to young people. More transparent decision-making in the government. People in positions of power need to listen. More green spaces and focus on environmental matters, which will have an impact on mental health as more people would get the chance to go exercise or sit somewhere calming outdoors. We want a living wage for young people and to cover the cost of living expenses of young people. Universal basic income to ensure everyone can meet the living costs. We want affordable housing for everyone. Offering everyone a job and a first job scheme for young people. And imagine what we could achieve if everyone had access to free education. I want income equality. Why can't everyone be paid the same? I want more efficient ways to use green energy. 
I want an education that makes me feel confident I get a good job in life. I want free access to more culture and creativity. It's not Thanks, that's really fascinating. Um, did the young people raise issues or solutions that kind of surprised you or were things that you hadn't kind of thought of or that had occurred to you before? Yeah, they absolutely did. The young people had really wide ranging ideas and many of them were surprising. A lot of the proposed solutions were creative and I think that speaks to how useful the arts-based methods were in this context. They helped support people to be brave and innovative in suggesting solutions to really complex problems. The close group working also allowed for conversations of potentially controversial or divisive policy proposals. For example, one participant suggested that everyone should receive the same pay regardless of what job they perform. And another participant assumed that she meant to suggest equal pay for equal work, but she actually meant that everyone should be paid the same no matter what their job is. And this comment opened up a really dynamic discussion. So not only were we hearing lots of ideas from the young people, we were also able to get a picture of the complexities around the acceptability of proposals, the ethical dimensions, and how young people's perceptions of equity and fairness differed and shaped their ideas. So what's next for you and for this research? Um, well, as you've heard from Caroline and from the young people themselves, we've got a real diversity of data and they were so generous in their time and their thoughts. So we're um, spending a bit of time trying to analyse and write up um, our analysis of the yeah, this really vast data set. Um, and we're continuing to engage with arts organisations and the young people. And to this end, we recently published uh, their zine and a short film, which you've heard some clips from um, online on our website. Really looking forward to seeing more on that, Gillian, and how things develop. Um, so as always, we like to finish these podcasts with one final question, and, and that is, what are the implications of this of this work for health inequalities? Yeah, so I think um, we would like to continue to think really carefully about how young people's perspectives are able to be more adequately considered in relation to policy development to address um, unfair differences in health across the population. And I think our work with these groups has helped us to consider language and the processes through which we as researchers engage with citizens um, and the importance of these ongoing discussions which support sharing of ideas and work to negate stigma around health inequalities with public groups, including young people. Um, but also I think perhaps researchers working in population health can do more to support citizens and communities and governments to envision a more equitable society and work towards achieving this. And with this in mind, um, we can perhaps give the last word to the young people in Leeds, if that's okay. It's not too late. We are the future. We are the next generation. Let's make it count. Let's make it fair. This isn't going to last forever, but these are the things we ask for, for a better future. We need to take action to make sure the problems of today don't affect the generations to come. We want everyone to be truly and finally equal. My generation has realised we are going into uncharted territory. Trust generation. Our hopeful generation. Our inspired generation. Our leading generation. Our passionate generation. Our accomplished generation. Our catalyst generation. That really is a, a call to action and really, really inspiring thoughts to finish on. So thank you. 
So I think our time is up. So all that remains is to say again, thank you to Julian and Caroline for chatting to us today about this really important and interesting work. And um, thanks to everybody listening. And finally, just to say the links to the film that we've been hearing clips from today and the other resources, including the zine, can be found in the podcast notes, along with all our contact details. Thank you.